Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast, Leave Your Mark, with your host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Eric Hassis. He is a one of three children with an older sister and a younger sister. His parents, his father was an engineer, his mother a banker. He's a graduate at TJ High School. As an athlete, he played baseball, football, and wrestling. And then he graduated from TJ and went on to West Virginia University, where he got a BA in political science and was a baseball team walk-on. Eric, thank you for being our guest here today. Pleased to be here. Thank you, Miss, for having me. Well, you're, you're a, uh, a Pittsburgh guy through and through, and I just want to touch on what your home life was like when you were growing up with your two sisters and your parents. What was going on in uh, Thomas Jefferson at that time? Well, being a middle child, I, and the only boy, I, I was pretty much uh, surrounded by athletics. My dad was, a, he played a lot of softball, you know, hardening type softball, and I just palled around with them most of the time. And uh, that's where all my baseball interests came from. Well, my sister's, my older sister was someone that had some guide, guiding influence on me. Um, she was more the studious type. Uh, then my younger sister was, came around and I guess I was her item. She kind of palled me around, around with me all the time. So that, but it was kind of interesting. You had a good, a good influence from both of them. Now, um, you and your dad sound like you were very close. Did dad play athletics when he was younger? He, uh, he played baseball. And uh, keeping, keeping the story a little shorter than it needs to be, uh, he went to the Army, and the, the general found out that he was a pitcher and uh, kept him on the Army baseball team on the play other other uh platoons i guess or oh wow so he, he pitched he pitched there and uh his claim to fame is he he got to pitch against Hank Aaron in a uh atlanta brave tryout and uh you can probably imagine hank lit him up <laughs> and that was a but you know that's a very interesting story there because we're talking a home run legend and your father's connected to him, that, that's a pretty big deal for your dad. I can understand why that would leave the impression on him it did. He, he probably wanted his son someday to be a pitcher too, I'm sure. You know, that's how fathers go. Well, I, I did pitch a little bit early on, but uh, I, I found that I just did not have, I didn't have the arm speed for to be a pitcher more than the, the command. Okay. So you pitched in high school? No, I pitched just in little league. And then um, after little league, it was just all uh, outfield. Well, you were, you were playing football and you wrestled also. So you're athletic. You're probably playing sports year round. Now, oh, yes. Now, so when you graduated from TJ, um, what was your decision to go to West Virginia? Well, my older sister was there. She's three years older than myself. And uh, I had a chance to go visit her for a weekend when I was, I believe, a junior. I just, uh, I just felt that, that I was, I felt comfortable down there. Uh -huh. And uh, so I just decided to go there. 
Now, when you get down there, did you get into your major? I know four-year schools have a tendency to kind of sophomores and freshmen don't get the pick of the courses they want to take. When did you know you were going to be a political science major? When I couldn't pass organic chemistry. (laughs) 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 Okay. So so you get through West Virginia with the BA. Well, yeah, it makes sense. So that's good. Now, when you got out of uh, college there, um, you got right into your career. So kind of explain to me what you were doing there and, and how things began to gel for you. Well, I... I always knew I wanted to work in, in or with a uh, utility because seemed that those types of jobs were always going to be there. I mean, everyone go away because everybody needs electric, everybody needs gas, everybody needs water. So I had the opportunity to jump on board with Calvin Carbon Corporation. And uh, for the first 16 years or so, I was a field service representative, but I would go around the country servicing their equipment, installing their products. And uh, I missed a lot of my uh, my son's growth as a youngster. Uh, So when I had the opportunity to get off the road, I did. So now, was this your first job out of college? Uh, No, my first first big boy job, yeah. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. Okay, so then at what time then your wife, Denise, and you have uh, Alexandra and Eddie or your children, when did you meet Denise? I met her in high school. A uh, good friend of mine introduced us. She's two years younger than me. And um, she was a freshman. I was a junior, and we were introduced. And it took a while for it to happen. We were friends for a long, long time, and then uh, we just felt that the uh, – there's something there that needed to be pursued. Yeah. Well, two children later. Now, um, were you the same type of father as your dad was? Were you teaching uh, Eddie uh, sports and so forth? Eddie, yes, I, I did do that. Um, I thought initially this sport was going to be basketball. As a really young kid, we bought him a Nerf basketball hoop that clipped on the, the closet door. And you'd hear him in his room with the door closed, just having a good time dunking that ball and shooting every corner in the room and making it. He couldn't beat him in his own room. <laughs> but then uh, they came time to make a decision between football, basketball and baseball. And actually, then, then football came into the mix. Oh, wow. So he played all three sports. Yeah. He, he played high school basketball for two years. He got hurt in a football game in Pines Field. And his ankle just didn't uh, heal properly for him to continue playing basketball. He needed to take time off. And uh, he played four years of baseball and three years of football. Wow. Now, did Alexandra play any sports, or what did she do growing up? She played basketball, softball. Uh, she got into soccer a little bit, but it just it was too much running for her. So she uh, got rid of softball or uh, soccer. So she, did she, these two go to West Virginia also, like yourself, or did where did they go to school? My son went to West Virginia Wesleyan okay. on a football scholarship, and my daughter went to Clarion on an academic 
scholarship. Okay. I, well, I was a Clarion alumni myself, so I know what that place is all about. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, life, life is going pretty well for you for quite a while. And then um, I'm going to jump here up into 2019. And it was Thanksgiving when you discovered what? Uh, I I get dressed in towards the end of summer into fall and winter. And I, I had a, a dry skin itch on my chest. And as I scratched and I felt a you know, tender, um, somewhat decent sized uh, lump. I showed my wife and she, you know, immediately said, and this was the Friday after Thanksgiving and nobody ever works on day. So she said, Monday, you're calling the doctor getting looked at. And he would have just, uh, played it off as just a, you know, a fatty sister, fatty growth, but being, being in the area that was in, in my uh, upper chest, he thought it was worthwhile taking a look at. So you went through having the CT scan and a biopsy. And what did they find? Uh, the CT scan revealed the, the size of the mass. Uh, the biopsy was inconclusive. So they had to go in and remove the entire mass and then send it off for a uh, more positive testing and more detailed testing to find out the, the age and the uh, type. They, the, the biopsy did show that it was malignant, but it did give them much more than that. Okay. So now you got malignant cancer in your chest and I, I'm going to ask you to pronounce this for me because I butcher it when I say this says chondrosarcoma. That's correct. Okay. Chondrosarcoma cancer of the soft tissue in your fifth and sixth rib on a left side near your sternum. Um, as a, a cancer patient myself or survivor myself, what was the initial feelings or thought that you had across your head when this biopsy came back and they told you it was malignant? I, I was shocked. I was, I didn't know what, to, you know, I didn't know which way, what to do other than if this is not a dream, then I need to get, get my mind ready and then, uh, and fight this thing. Okay. Now, so you're, you're, how is your, um, your family responding? Cause you're not that old. I mean, at 55, that's still a young fella to have this diagnosis or in a lot of cases, people view cancer as a death sentence. So how does your family react? They were all shocked as well. And it was, it was pretty much a, uh, you know, blind side punch. Um, but you know, I immediately had a brief support. Now you were telling me that this type of cancer, uh, chemo radiation doesn't work on. So you were going to have to go through surgery. And, um, it's kind of interesting because when you're in the situation being told you have cancer, there's generally some sort of medication or something they're going to do for you. So in your case, they're not really doing anything other than they're going to do an operation, which is, you know, emotionally and mentally probably the most trying, but like, what's going through your thoughts? Well, you know, you have cancer, you know, it's metastasizing and you're getting ready for your operation. Um, how are you preparing for this? 
Uh, just uh, did a lot of soul searching, you know, a lot of praying to uh, make sure that this uh, comes to a, a good ending. Uh, you know, the, the, you're right. The, the cancer was not treatable. But they, they wouldn't treat it with some type of radiation if it was, uh, you know, in, in the end stage. They would try to do something at that point, but when it revealed it was pretty much an early, early cancer, they weren't going to waste their time or put me through any of that hardship with, uh, with chemo or radiation. So let me ask you a question. Actually, was there an opportunity to do a laser? Uh, cause I, I personally, I had laser radiation, but it was because it was so small. Um, they were capable of doing that. Um, mine was probably in a less, uh, invasive area on my thigh. Yours is in your chest. You got a lot more going on in your rib cage than on your thigh. So that they may not have been able to do that even mentioned. And that was not mentioned. No, it was, uh, the, the thoracic surgeon, I guess he's experienced this a few times. No, that's not very, it's a very, it is a very rare cancer. Uh, he said it's total removal. Have to go in and uh, take the tumor, then wait for testing, then go back in and take uh, margins, take some more bones, some more sternum, some more rib, more cartilage. Wow. Muscle. That's very nerve-wracking. So on 2019 Thanksgiving, you find this out, and you're getting your tumor removed as fast as January 2020? Uh, actually, you get your surgery. I was down at the Delegate General. Um, I didn't really find out anything until December, uh, that day after Christmas, that it was positive. Uh, and that was after the initial biopsy test. So that was a yeah. month later from you recognizing your, your original scare. Yeah. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South straight, make a left and body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. So how does this uh, operation in Allegheny General play out? Oh, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, very involved. It was probably in six hour surgery, get in there and, uh, do what they had to do. Uh, it, it hurt. There was, it was uh, a lot of digging, I guess, you know, they removed some bone and all everything they removed that I felt, you know, I was, I was afraid if I sneezed, I might you know, just disintegrate. And so your process then is how soon did they look at you after the operation to see what, what happened as far as their work? Well, they saw me the next month. Uh, well, maybe about, it was about three weeks later when the uh, incision opened up in the shower. Oh, yeah, all this infectious fluid was oozing out of my chest. And uh, that time we're full-blown COVID. They told me to go to the emergency room. And then there was an infection. There was a staph infection that just blew up in my chest. That That occurred from the surgery? Yeah. From the break, from the... Uh, Ribs that they removed, they put some type of a, I want to call it plastic, but it might not be, I don't know what the material of construction was, but it was a bridge to cover that soft spot. Okay. And 
they said that's what got infected, but I, I tend to believe it was more towards the uh, chest to drain that was uh, put in there. Now, when that staph infection, what was the chances of the cancer spreading because of that? Or does that, they didn't say that that would uh, affect it? Well, I don't think at that point they were really worried about the cancer spreading. They wanted to get that staph infection up before it turned into then their priorities changed. Now, then this plays out as you've had more surgeries than this afterwards. How many surgeries did you go through? Including the initial tumor removal, uh, five. Wow. And, and what's the time span of those five operations? Uh, it was, it was, uh, January, February, March, and April, and then October. So you're a year later into this now. Are you getting any kind of treatment in between these operations, being that they don't do radiation or chemo? Will you take anything orally? For the cancer? Yeah. No. They, they were, they did the six months following the second surgery, they did a CAT scan to see if, to ensure that all the cancer was removed and it appeared that it was. But I'm still going through the infection. So I was, I was getting pounded for six months with numerous types and strengths of antibiotic, trying to knock this staph infection out. How long did it take for them to get rid of that? I finally got clearance by the doctor that it was 100% gone this January, January 21. So we're two years removed in the whole process of this. Now, what I think is remarkable in your case is these are all operations and there's no uh, medicine being applied in between. Um, it's kind of like doing a high wire act of sorts without a net, you know, for the patient, because it's like your faith and your will to live is, is being tested to the maximum here. And same with your family going through this with these caregivers. So can you kind of run me through the things that you've done mentally to keep your sanity? Oh, it's just, you know, it just a lot of conversation with my wife, you know, she's been, she was the, she was the strength of everything for me during that time. Uh, I did have a home nurse for a while, but she did come every day. So my wife had to administer a lot of the. A lot of the uh, dressings, a lot of the medicine um, for me. Uh, she, she was really the one that kept me focused. How much of that elevated your relationship and your marriage with her? Oh, it, 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 it intensified our, our, our love for each other. Like I had never, I never knew that could have been possible. It's, it, it's really turned into a, a love fest between between her and I. That's awesome. 31 years later, a, re a rejuvenated marriage. Isn't it crazy the things we have to go through <laughs> to, create, to create some warmth and love? Oh, well, you know, there's a lot of laughing and crying in between there. So it, um, those are full days. When you get in the back for crying the same day, that's a good day. 
If you have a story to share, tell us. How are you going to leave your mark? Contact us. Leave your mark with our host, Vince Cortez. Be our guest. Well, I want you to kind of tell me where, where are you currently at now? Where's your health and what's going on? Or do you have to get a CT scan now and how frequently and what's going on like that? Well, my health is, um, I believe, very good right now. Uh, I get my next, I get scans every six months. I'm due in September here next month to get uh, my third scan. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not taking any medication as for infection. I, I am taking some other medication that, that I'm trying to keep my head sane through all this, uh, but I'm, I feel good. I feel good and things are looking good. That's excellent. That's so good to know. So, um, you're still, you're, are you on any medication at all now? Not for cancer or infection. It, okay. So no more antibiotics, no cancer meds or anything like that. So you're, uh, we're seeking a good scan here coming up. And then will they give you longer than six months? They'll give you a year or, or do they want to keep a close eye on you for a while? I think they're going every six months for a couple of years. For a couple of years, you know. And then, then uh, how, how do you see yourself as far as your future? Because uh, uh, as you get older, you kind of want to look back at what you've accomplished and what you've done as well as what you've gone through. But uh, as we get older, we have a tendency to not be excited about our future so much. And after going through what you did, you're, you realize what a great life and what a great opportunity this is. So where are you at mentally now moving forward? How do you like to see your life play out moving forward? Well, I, I, uh, when my son got married in the middle of all that, in September of 20, and I we, my wife and I, we are both looking forward to, uh, grandchildren, uh, and just cruising into our golden age as smooth as we can. That's excellent. Well, I, I want to, uh, stay in touch with you because I, I just feel like these are the tender situations where what you went through and you're coming out, obviously it shakes you up and you seem to have handled it extremely well. And we're hoping for brighter days for you. So before I let you go, I would like to know, how would you like to leave your mark? Well, you know, and in my mind, I think I'd left my mark already. Uh, you know, my wife and I, with a lot of her help, uh, you know, we raised two super, super children. And in my mind, they're better than me. Uh, in a lot of ways, and that would be my mark, but I'll let other people make that judgment to, and I know they have, they, they, my kids have uh, touched a lot of people. Uh, so I, I think that raising two good kids in this type of world we are living in is, it was, was my mark on this world. Excellent. Great dad, but a nice contribution as well. So I would like to thank you for coming by and sharing your story today. Uh, extremely brave and courageous what you've gone through and to be on the other side of this it's very heartwarming so thank you for coming by today 
You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.